Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to WebRush. This is episode 162. Today, it's life outside of code. Wait, is there life outside of code? I don't know. Is there life out there? Well, my name is John Papa, along with Craig Shoemaker and Ward Bell. And the man to ask if there's life outside of code is definitely Ward. Ward, come on, man. Uh, I am so excited. Um, there's a new, uh, a new dance studio that moved into town. And I uh, and and I went to a class last night for belly dancing, and I put that sarong on with the coins that jingle as you move your hips and shimmy like. And I I think I found my next career. Uh, I'm going to be a belly dancer. Uh, and and absolutely none of what I just said is true. <laughs> I just wanted to see what you guys. No, well, it's not entire. It, we do have a new dance studio in town, and my wife went to the belly dancing last night, and she would not let me come. I wanted to come, and I wanted to do it because, you know, you have to run down there with some of your conference clothes on, I, I and then just tell people you want to dance. Well, I, I yes, for for those of you out there who haven't seen Ward at a conference, shame on you. Google it. Uh, I will leave leave it up to you to find. Is this really Ward Bell? If you haven't met him before, he is. Amazing. Ward is known for going to events in various attire, I will just say, dressed as Aladdin, um, lots of different things. I don't even know sometimes what, what to say, but I remember one time I was working at Disney and Ward was in town and I invited him to do like a technical presentation for our team. And Ward came in wearing some sort of, I just could call it an outfit. And I remember the security guard at the desk actually pulled me aside and was like, um, his ID says he's a vice president of some technology company, but is that really him? <laughs> so yeah, you, you totally put one over the security guards at Disney. It was absolutely hysterical. Well, now I'm doing it at the dance studio where I have been grooming my belly for belly dancing all, uh, all season long. So I, I'm ready for that. All right. Well, you know what they say, video or it didn't happen. So <laughs> on that note, you know, you're a big deal, Ward. And today, because you're such a big deal, we had to get a guest who was an even bigger deal. So today I want to introduce everybody to Mark Thompson. We, we've given him a new nickname, Mark Big Deal Thompson. So Mark, how you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm having a fantastic time. Like you folks are hilarious. And I'm just trying, I wish that people at home could see how like, how much laughter and joy is happening in this conversation because I'm like having a blast hanging out so far. Well, we're really happy to have you here. And for those of you out there who may want to get to know Mark a little bit better, let me tell you something about him. Mark Thompson loves to teach and code. He's an award-winning university instructor and engineer. He comes with a passion for creating meaningful learning experiences. With over a decade of developing solutions across the tech stack, speaking at conferences and mentoring developers, He's excited to continue making an impact in tech. And lately, Mark has been spending time as a developer relations engineer on the Angular team at a little company we like to call Google. Yeah, just a little place. Welcome, Mark. Hey. I hear they're you up know. to good things. Keep an eye on them. 
<laughs> yeah, watch that company. Watch that company. So I have to tell everybody, if you're really interested in our guests out there, one of the things we like to do is drop links in the show notes to like Twitter and social media and things if they've spoken or written articles. Uh, one of the videos that I used to share Mark with Craig's that I've met before was a video that Mark did at a conference called NGConf. It's a virtual conference uh, over the last year. And it was one of the most unique presentations I have ever seen. And not just unique, but very well done, very engaging, and very technical, which all those things together are really hard to pull off. Like I've seen entertaining, and I've seen very technical, and I've seen well done, but Mark put it all together in such an amazing way. And, and I, I don't want to give away kind of how that happened. I want you all to watch it. So check out the link in the show notes. And I want to start, Mark, by asking you, a little about that. Can you tell our audience about what you did at NGConf and wh what that was all about? Yeah. So here's what happened. The theme for NGConf for that year was NGConf, the musical. And I was going to just like make some musical references, you know, throughout my talk. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do some puns or something. And then really at the 11th hour, I scrapped my whole talk and I was like, I'm going to make it a musical. And I'm going to actually like add in original songs. So I ended up writing five original songs for my talk. And yeah, it was a lot of work. It was so much work to edit and to produce. So you basically just slapped it together at the last minute, right? I mean, let's just say that the, the <laughs> conference organizers kept emailing me like, hey, when is this going to be ready? And I, and I, I remember saying, <laughs> I promise you. I promise you it's worth it. If you can just wait just a little bit longer. And they're like, it's going to be live next week. And I'm like, please, I promise it's worth it. Just please give me just another day or two and I'll give you, you know, something that was worth your time. And uh, it turned out great. I really, really loved the outcome. And I love the feedback and reception of it. People seem to really enjoy it. So it was a great time. So in addition to all the things that you do, are you also a, like a musician and, and producer did you work with someone on the on the musical aspect of it? Like, because John's not joking, and I don't mean to like flatter you, but like, it's really well done. Like, it's it's pretty awesome. Thank you. So, in real life, I used to be a rapper. So when I was a younger man, you know, this is like twenty years ago. I was in a rap group, and so rapping was a real big part of my life at that time. But then, right after that, I actually became a guitar player, and I played guitar from that time up until now. I still play guitar. Um, yeah, I saw that. I saw that Craig and John both have guitars in their in their recording spaces. So pretty righteous. So yeah, I, I play guitar, and so music and videography is a, a passion for like hobby. I don't want to get paid to do it though. I just want to do it for fun. And so I got a chance to combine like the video production with the like musical like interest and put it all together to create something really unique for myself. That's awesome. I, I think it's really in important and intriguing that you highlight the fact that you found something that you're good at, that you love doing, and you don't want to do it for money. One of the conversations I have regularly with my kids, I'm like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And they're kids and they don't know, and that's fine. But yeah, I want to play, I want to do video games. I want to, I want to create them. I want to do the story for it. And I'm just like, okay, but you need to understand that relationship that you have with this creative outlet, as soon as it's dependent on paying your mortgage, that changes things fundamentally. So is is that something that you, through, through your, your rap career that you found, like it, it kind of soured it? Or did you come to that conclusion through other avenues? Uh, well, first off, my rap career was, uh, I went triple wood in terms of record sales. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> triple one. I never get a chance to find out if money would have maybe like rapping less. But um, the, the one thing it was, though, uh, is I came to that, conclu- to that conclusion because of the videography stuff. Because what I really love to do, so Craig, let's say that your kid's having a birthday party. You're like, hey, Mark, why don't you and your family come? I would love to bring like my camera, like my good camera with me and just document the day for you as a unsolicited gift that you can have. But I don't want you to pay me for it. And I don't want you to call me and say, hey, Mark, can you film this for me? Because then I don't get to like enjoy it the same way because then it becomes like a job. And when it becomes a job, then I'm worried about your expectations. And then I'm worried about whether or not I got the right shots. And I'm having to ask you here to stand in the right place to get this one clip, you know, and then it becomes just this really intense experience for everybody. And it's no longer fun. So I like to just go places with my camera and document the, the story of what's happening around us and, and, and do it that way. And so that's why I talk about it not being. Well, and paid. I only have five kids, so I can send you enough invites for you know. <laughs> you said that in an interesting way, Craig. I only have five kids. Like you're going to go buy some more at Walmart tomorrow, or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so where do you shop for your kids? Uh, <laughs> such an interesting connotation to that. <laughs> hey, John, I have this great idea for a mobile app. I want to use native features like the camera, photo gallery, and geolocation, but I just don't have the time to learn a new language like Swift. Yeah, but you do know JavaScript and web tech like React, Angular, and Vue, right? I do, but how does that help me? Well, if you use the Ionic framework, you can use your JavaScript skills and you get fully styled iOS and Android mobile components. Plus, it uses the capacitor to talk to all the native device platforms. So if I use Ionic and Capacitor, I don't have to learn a new language. My JavaScript skills give me what I need to build a cross-platform app. Absolutely. And you can check it out at ionic.link slash webrush. I'll do it. So our topic today is all about life outside of code, which is kind of why we led off with this topic, because obviously, if you, when you watch that video, and again, I encourage you all to do so, it is, is masterful. It really, truly is. I remember watching that going, wow, I need to up-level with the way I'm doing my presentations. <laughs> uh, totally got me into it. And I, I'm not really even into rap at all, but just the way it was done was just, just phenomenal. But watching through that, it shows how there's definitely a part of your life, Mark, that you let into your work life and you shared through what you did there. It's not like you just woke up one day. I'm like, you know what? I've never done any of this before. Let me go ahead and just <laughs> write five songs and do a rap to this presentation. So we want to talk more about, you know, what does life outside of code mean to you? And, and what do you want to share? Yeah. So this is a recent uh, change in opinion. So I'm going to tell people who've talked to me before this big change that I've gone through. Yes, my opinion has changed. And yes, people get to change their opinions. And that's OK. Right. We get to grow and we get to learn. So I'll give you a little bit of backstory. So I grew up on the south side of Chicago and I grew up just kind of typical in poverty. Right. And I'm talking like real poverty where I remember my mom crying on the phone to get twenty dollars to get food for the week. So that's the type of poverty that I'm talking about. Right. And so technology became an escape for me. So I used to spend all of my time uh, from the time that I learned how to code, like trying to build stuff to get out of that situation, right? I remember, like, it's a very personal thing, but I'll say it anyway, because I don't, it's, it's fine. My mother had a gambling addiction, which also increased our poverty because we couldn't keep money in the house. But I learned basic in high school, and then I came home on an IBM PS1 and built a slot machine game, hoping 
that it would keep her home and not keep her and keep her out of the casinos. Like that's how code became a survival technique for me. And so what ended up happening is this idea of always building something, always solving problems, always trying to get rich, so to speak. That was so much of my life for so long. And you know what got uh, ignored or avoided that entire time was being happy. There was no time to be happy if I was always focused on how do I get to the next thing, get to the next level, build the next great app. You know, I got to level up. I got to get more money. I got to like get out of this spot. Right. And when you grow up in that type of mode, you it goes into autopilot. Right. And then you end up just doing it without even knowing it. And now I say to people, you know, like what's really interesting to me is how how to be happy, right? Like, are you happy right now? And that's just been my main like focal point is outside of my work. Like I love my work at Google. Google's a great company. I know that people have their different opinions, but working on the Angular team, amazing, right? I'm loving this. But I'm like, okay, I, I want that to be fulfilling to me, but I don't want to come out of work and spend all night thinking, how do I get a promotion to this next level? And let me work extra so I can outwork these other people so that way when, pro- when promotion comes around next time, I'm ready, right? I don't want that to be my life anymore. And so I'm like, yeah, so what is there outside of code? Like, what is there when you're not, quote unquote, coding for fun on the weekends? Like, we all tell us of that story. Like, oh yeah, I'm at Starbucks. I'm just coding for fun. But that's not restorative, right? Like, then let's be honest and, and can challenge me on that. But that's not restorative. Like you're just expending even more energy, more mental energy, more of everything that you have. And so then when do you get a chance to be happy? I hear you. Um, actually, I, you know, here's a confession. I don't think I've ever coded for fun. At least I can't remember when I did. Maybe I did in high school. Um, and I, uh, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I was actually doing this. So uh, that's... That's interesting. So, so life outside of code has certainly been important to me. But, t- but tell us. Um, so, so how did you steer? How did you balance that out, or what? Or rather, perhaps, what do you suggest to people that they do? Fine. Okay. So, first things first. I have to acknowledge that part of that extra work all the time helped me get to where I am. Right. Yep. So, I got to Google because I was really uh, growing in popularity in the Flutter community. And people are like, hey, Mark, why don't you go for this DevRel role in Flutter? But that's because I was spending 20 to 25 hours a week outside of my full-time job working on Flutter at night. And this is, and that's why I said in the beginning, like recently, this was my life, right? Like I was, quote unquote, building in public recently, like as early as or as late as 2018, 2019, this was the, the habit. So I acknowledge that for, for everyone, it's not... This is not an option to just drop everything and focus on like being happy. I know some people are still trying to dig out of a hole or make some things happen. So if you have to do that, then try to keep in mind that you have to find an endpoint. That's the first thing. You have to say when enough is enough, or else you'll never stop. You'll never like stop overworking yourself. So that's so that's for one group. And for other people, I say you know look for a balance. I will write a book at some point, right? I will build another app at some point, but. What I have to tell myself to do is to make sure that if I have like three buckets in my life, right, there's fatherhood, there's like my uh, marriage, and then there's my career, right? And so I have to make sure that if I'm putting stuff into my career, that the buckets that get drained from no attention, which is my fatherhood and then being a good husband, 
that I can't ever let those buckets go empty, which means that the other bucket just cannot continuously be filled then. Right. And I have to be okay with that. And then you have to be okay with that. You know, people listening, you have to be okay with like, there's a, a choice, there's a consequence and you decide what's more important to you. And if it's more important to be like super famous in tech and, you know, build your next thing that will probably not even go anywhere. Right. You're probably not going to build the next great startup for a billion dollars. You're not going to be on indie hackers talking about your thirty thousand dollars a month of MRR that changed your life. That's most likely not going to be you. Not because you can't, but the odds are just against you to be that successful. That's just not how it works. Right. Man, I still got a little bitter about that because it didn't work for me. So. Well, it's okay. I mean, we all try things too in life that sometimes we go down a certain road and we're like, you know what? We've had experience trying to build something or some project or some thing. And at the time it felt like it was really important to us, but maybe it didn't work out. And, and I think we're all, we all live based on our experiences, right? Mm-hmm. If, if your experience going through something that you really were in, in love with and wanted to do, didn't work out. Oftentimes, maybe that kind of puts you in a different state on what that thing was like, you know, I'm not going to go down that road again. Uh, or maybe it makes you dig it even harder and go, you know what? I'm going to do that again and again and again until I actually get it. So, and it kind of sounds like you're you're describing really seasons in our lives because you know, like you said, th- there was a certain amount of work that I had to do to get to where I'm at. You had to do to get to where you're at. Um, but just sometimes realizing, like you know, we're, we're shifting gears and and certain things, you know, you have little kids in the house and, and they need time and attention, things of that nature. So I'm just curious for you, did you find that like there was a, a defining moment where you said, you know, I can't keep doing this? Or was it more like, you know, gradually you sort of realized, okay, th- this is where I need to be spending more of my time. And, and when you made that decision, did it affect you adversely in professionally or anything that you've, you've noticed yet? I can tell you what happened. I can tell you what happened. So this is before some of the org changes that happened uh, right now uh, at Google. So I have to put that context first. So over the summer, I, I learned that Sarah Drasner was writing a new book. And I was super happy for her, like thrilled for her. And I felt terrible about myself. You know why? Because I didn't have a book. And I felt you know, like, I felt like this. I felt like, well, I think Sarah and I are in the same like stratosphere in terms of being like peers, so to speak, right? Yeah, she's had more leadership roles than me, but I'm like, you know, in terms of ability, I feel like, yeah, I'm talented, I'm capable, but why don't I have a book written? Why haven't I made time to write a book? And then other people were writing books and then somebody else was like releasing a new course. Uh, Josh Kumo, like, uh, or Como just released this course. Right. And then uh, Can't See Dots had released Discourse. Right. And so these people are doing these really masterful like works of art out here. And then I felt horrible about myself. I felt like I was completely failing everything because I wasn't doing the same. But then I looked at my life and I'm like, dude, your life is amazing. Like your family's healthy. You're healthy. You have a great job that you love. You have friends and community. You have family. Why are you so unhappy? And it was in that moment when I saw that, I said, you know what? I need to take a step back and just focus on like hardcore happiness, like hardcore, like just focusing on happiness. And I had been leading up to this point uh, before this, Greg, because what happened was I had built a startup called Totally Strong, the fitness app. I thought I was going to revolutionize the fitness space and 
You know, I built it in Flutter. I did all this stuff. I was, you know, spent like three years of my life working on it nights and weekends. And this spring of 2021, I couldn't bring myself to open up the code editor to work, to look at it. Like I, it was repulsive to me. And I was like, why can't I just update it? Like, and it was almost like an emotional experience because I couldn't even like open IntelliJ to look at the code because I was so burned out from it. I was so like disappointed by everything and all the pressure I put on myself. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it fade into like to zero. Like, you know, they say that phrase, like, let it go to zero. And that should have been the sign. But I still kept saying, okay, well, it's the next thing. I'll get the next thing, right? Like, maybe, maybe I'll build a course. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll write a book. And then, again, like I said, when I saw that, you know, that Sarah had written a book, I'm just like, you know what? I feel terrible about myself, and I don't know why. I just need to take a break. And then I ended up leaving Twitter for until maybe two weeks ago. So that was like August 28th is when I left. And I spent that entire time just really asking myself some tough questions, you know, talking to my therapist about some really tough things. And coming to this point of like, yeah, like, why not just be happy? Like, just be happy. Imagine that. It's hard, Mark, because um, uh, when you're a driven person, and you clearly are, and there are people who are and the people who aren't, there are people who just sort of say, eh. but you're driven. I think a lot of us are driven. And you have this idea, you have this idea of what's my legacy going on. It's a very, that's a driver that's very hard to let go of. Um if if any of us are ever able to let go of it, I'm still waiting for the Nobel Committee to call. Uh, even though I have nothing that is <laughs> worthy of that, but still, they why aren't they calling? Uh, and uh, so I I think this resonates for a lot of people. And I I mean, you know, you can laugh at it, which is a good place to start. Um, laugh at that impulse, um, but uh, I think we all know it. And and. I don't actually think that the people who do these things actually got there by saying, well, I got to write a book. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't say I've got to write a book because it's going to do this for me. They wrote the book because, I mean, in many cases, um, uh, because they could not write the book, you know, inside, right? Mm. And that's, oh, that's okay. You know, I, I got, I just seconds ago, I think I got through saying, you know, I've never written code for fun, but that doesn't mean I haven't had a lot of fun writing code and been driven by it, right? There's a difference. I did, um, like John and I, who have coded a lot together over the years, have just had enormous fun doing it, and I, I, I jump at the chance to do it. But that's because I know that the experience of doing it is uh, uh, not matched by anything else I do. And so um, it, if writing a book was... And whenever it becomes something that you can't not do, you'll do it. But otherwise, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a notch on somebody's belt. And it doesn't have to be a notch on your belt. It's kind of the way I look at it. Anyway, that legacy thing is a is a is a bear. But how do you separate that, though? Like, like, how do you separate it not being a, a part of like it doesn't have to be a notch on your belt? How do you recognize when that's true for yourself? Uh, I didn't say I answer for this. <laughs> like, wow, we're getting the answers today. Craig, like, <laughs> like <laughs> all I could say is, yeah, I feel your pain. Uh, but, and that didn't much So you know who us. I go to for these deep answers in life? I go to Craig Shoemaker because Craig always has Yeah, what do we do, Craig? How do we beat this Craig, thing? Craig, help us out. I don't have answers for anything. Um, I, I have an opinion, though. Um, 
I would say for, for my life, when I, I think of that stuff, because there's, there's a lot of things that I would like to do. And I think I still could do, but I, I, Ward pulled out this one word that I think kind of says it all. And that's legacy. So, Oh, I thought you meant Billy Dan. There's Sorry. that. I mean, that's secondary. <laughs> okay. But you know, when, when it comes down to it and, and it's the cliche that we're, we're all going to, we're all going to take our last breath at some point And the thing that I'm not going to want to do is say, like, I wish I wrote more Angular. I wish I did write more Angular at this moment. But the thing I'm going to I'm going to want to be able to say is that I spend more time with my kids. But not only that, hopefully that my kids' kids will have a good life because of the life that I gave my children. And that that's the value of life. I think that's what everybody has to find what they do. Like it's it's who am I to say. Mark, you don't have to write a book or Mark, you shouldn't want to do this or you shouldn't want to do that. I think, first of all, it's not my business what somebody else wants to do. And what I want, what you want, what someone else wants, it's really, it's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. Second on this is if, and I firmly do believe this, there's very few times to say all people, but I believe all people are different, meaning what you want and what I want are not the same and it changes through life. So what you want today may not be what you want. Like you just talked about how this summer you you went through these questioning uh, things that you did or didn't want to do. I think we all go through this stuff to think about it. It took me 20 years. I was just telling somebody at work this the other day, 20 years to figure out in my career what was important to me in my career. It's, when you think about that, looking back now, I'm like, my gosh, if I'd only known 20 years ago what I figured out in the last couple of years, life would have been a lot easier for me to to do this stuff. And like Craig's talking about, you know, when he takes his last breath, you know, and hopefully that's not soon, Craig, (laughs) you know, you're thinking about, you know, what your impact on your children and your family is important to you. And for me, it's very similar, but it might not be the same for everyone. I think it's important for folks to figure out what is important to you. And it's okay to separate what's important to you in your personal life. What's important to you in your job and career life. And I'm with Ward on this, that at least I think I'm with Ward on this, that I work to pay my bills. I mean, I love Microsoft. I think it's great. I, I enjoy working there. I loved working at Disney. And, and people who know me know I talk about Disney probably way too much. But there's still jobs. There are jobs that put food on the table and pay my mortgage and pay the bills and, and do things like that. And I'm very fortunate to have them. But if I didn't have to work, what would I do? And I use a similar thing. It resonated to me, Mark, what you said, but the three buckets. Uh, I have a similar philosophy of you have three things in your life and you can only really focus on three. And I always say that there's two of them are always filled for me. And, and you know, that's family and that's my job because I need my job to have a life, to do what I do. So I have time for one more thing that's there. And that one thing I have to choose if it's one solid thing I do like maybe playing guitar or something at a time or uh, doing conferences or whatever takes additional time. Or maybe it's something that I split or I say, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little of that. But it's, I have to figure out how to divide my time because otherwise, like early in my career, I was spending way too much time doing things and work, driving my career, trying to get everything done. And I'm like, where is this really getting? Okay, me? so I'm going to put a little twist on that, John, because you're you're expressing regret, <clears throat> which I don't think. Well, you're saying you're saying the back, you know, the younger you're you're trying to give your younger self a lesson about not working too hard, not being monomaniacal and stuff like that. 
No, no, no. I'm not actually saying that. If it came across that way, I don't mean that. I just mean, I don't think I wouldn't choose that now. Right. I don't think I could have come to this realization if I hadn't gone through the 20 years like but that. It was, but for me, you know, the fact that I was kind of like that back in the day, um, that was perfectly appropriate for that time. I lo- you know, when I see those up and comers who can't, who can't let go and who are, you know, are just, they've, they're, they're putting their family and friends aside so that they can accomplish some, pursue some dream to, to make the best to do app that ever was. I, I'm all for it because there's a right time to feel that incredibly invested. It's a wonderful feeling to feel, you know, when you have this sense that you are making the biggest difference in the world that could ever be made. And, and it all depends on you. It's all up to you. And if you don't do it, you know, you're a fair, look, all of that stuff that we are now very self-critical about was the perfect place for me to be when I was 20 something. So John, one of the things I like about AG grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, we're a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue. But they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. That's to say people people are definitely different. And I think, Mark, I'd love to hear from you more about what is what does life outside of work and code mean to you now? I mean, what, what does it mean to you? And what kind of advice would you give folks? For me, it means living a life that feels full and meaningful. So that I'm spending my time with the people that matter doing the things that matter. So for me, that has become a focal point. And of course, one thing that we always have to consider is that for everybody, their motivations are different, right? So not only did I have my life backstory, my adult life was very complicated because my parents died at a very young age. So I was 18 when my mother died, and then I was was only in my early 30s uh, when my father died. So I became my legal guardian for my siblings at 18 years old. So I had to grow up pretty fast and start doing a lot of different things. So, but here's the, the, the problem with that, or here's the side effect of that outcome. My view on the length of life is very different than the average person, right? Because it, so if you have parents that grow old, then you see life as very long. But as a person who's had parents who have very short lives in, in my mind, and then honestly have to go to therapy because of this, my life is self-predicted to not be as long. It just feels that way. Like, I don't know how much time I have because my mother was, I'm older than my mother ever got to be, right, at 40. You see, so I don't even know what 
examples there are. So anyway, the, the reason I say all of this stuff is because for me, it becomes hyper-focused that at the end of that time, which may be sooner or later, that I can say that I did the things that matter. So when Craig mentioned like, will I ever feel like, oh, you know, I wish I wrote more Angular code. I'm probably going to say no. What I'm probably going to say is that I wish I had spent more time laughing and, and doing things that mattered, right? Like I wish that I had spent more time driving the coast with my child when he was smaller instead of me, you know, studying, you know, dependency injection, right, in my free time, right? So I'll prioritize things differently. But like Ward said, I, I really see a lot of value in what he said about what's appropriate for the time for that person. There are times where it makes a lot of sense to be heads down, just like I said, making the biggest impact you think you can make. So what do I tell people? Um, Here's my advice for anybody who's listening who may say, well, Mark, I have so much that I have to get done. You don't know my story. You can't tell me how I should live. And I want to say, first off, you're totally right. I don't know your story. I don't know how you should live. But here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider what will you think is important in 20 years from wherever you are right now. So if you're 25, and you're making decisions, will those things matter in 20 years? Will you even remember about this stuff? So if they won't matter and you won't remember and they aren't serving you, then should you spend your time doing that, right? So, but that's a personal assessment to make and not a prescription, right? You just got to think about it. Like, will it matter? Will you be happy with that answer or with that choice or with that decision with how you're spending your time? Because the one thing I, I, so what I will say, one thing I do regret is that now looking back, I used to prioritize all my like um, extracurricular activities because I was very involved in a church in my 20s. And I was so involved that I was there probably like four or five nights a week. And so I spent so much time there and I spent so much time playing in the different church bands that I would always put off time with my father. For me, that's a hard thing to, to reconcile because now when I look back, all those things that I did, they don't hold the same amount of weight. And sure, there's 2020 is like, you know, hindsight is really powerful and kind of skews things. But even now, it's really hard for me to reconcile that I didn't spend more time or at least some of that time. Right. I was too far in one direction. And I think balance is a more important like lesson for me now is how do you balance things? So, John, when you said, you know, you split some of that free time into multiple things. See, that's interesting to me versus the way I looked at life for so long, which is go all the way in or nothing. Right. And so this is a very personal, like, point of view for me. Right. Because of my experiences, it's very personal. Like, I'm either hot or cold. And that has been my greatest strength, and my greatest weakness. Right. Like I made that whole NG Conf talk in a very short amount of time because I went all the way in. I stayed up all night and I worked all day on it to make sure that is exactly what the people got, what they would appreciate versus thinking like, what's good enough? right? Like four songs would have been good enough. Probably one song would have been good enough. So it's just perspective. It's all about perspective. Mark, this, this is just amazing. And I, I know we've, we've let you talk a lot about your perspective on this because quite frankly, I think we're all just kind of uh, in awe of some of the way you think about things and you express yourself. And I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us. And I'd love to invite you back on to talk further uh, about this or other topics. And obviously, you know a lot about Angular too. So we could even go down that road at some point, because I heard Craig say he wants to write a ton of Angular before he leaves this earth. So let's make that I'm happen. Kidding. John. Let's make that happen. I would love to come back let's and make talk it about happen. something that when I'm not on the soapbox. Oh, you're fantastic, Mark. And, and I really appreciate this. And I want to uh, thank everybody for listening to us today. Uh, we're not going to be final thoughts for today, because quite frankly, I think Mark has just dropped a lot of great things for everybody to think about. And I want this to be the last thing everybody thinks of uh, for this episode. 
So thank you all for listening to us for another week. Thank you to all of our sponsors for keeping us on the air. And thank you, Ward and Craig, for being amazing co-hosts with us and for Dan Walling, who couldn't be here today as well. And Mark, special thank you for uh, bringing not only this great talk today, but also just really making an impact and on uh, the technology in all of our lives with the way you're, you're bringing these things to light. Thank you. Thank you all again. And we'll see you next time every Thursday morning.